Welcome to Reflections from the Heart, presented by Stewardship, a mission of faith. Reflections from the Heart with your host, David Abel, is an outreach of Gospel Reflection, a ministry of Stewardship, a mission of faith. For the next 30 minutes, please join David as he breaks open the bread of life in the Gospel reading for Sunday's Mass. And as the same Holy Spirit who inspired the biblical writers, inspires us today with the truths he reveals to our hearts through his word. Now, here's David with Reflections from the Heart. Welcome everyone to another session of Reflections from the Heart. My name is David Abel. Today I'm joined by Rob Longo, Tom Terrace, Tom DeAngelis, and Don Gleichman. Welcome one and all. <laughs> Good to be here, David. Awesome, awesome. If everybody would take a moment and get their Bibles. We're going to turn to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. But before we break open the bread of life, Rob, do you mind inviting the Holy Spirit in to help us to just see how the Lord wants to speak to us today? Absolutely. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Father Son, the Son, Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your love. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill our hearts with your wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Dear God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the gift of your birth. Thank you for loving us so much that you became one of us. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to break open your word around our table here and with all those listening. You are a generous, generous Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Please be with everyone listening. Bless them, bless them, bless their families. Um, all the intentions that are in their hearts, Lord, we offer all of them up to you. And help us to do all things in this beautiful new year that's ahead of us. Help us to do all things for your honor and glory. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. And Tom, do you mind giving us a little gospel love today? Sure. Again, the gospel is from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, behold, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star at its rising and have come to do him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them, where the Christ was to be born. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it has been written through the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, since from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and ascertained from them the time of the star's appearance. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may go and do him homage. After their audience with the king, they set out. And behold, the star that they had seen at its rising preceded them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. They were overjoyed at seeing the star, and on entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. They prostrated themselves and did him homage. Then they opened their treasures and offered him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed for their country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. I'm really stuck on the word homage, and I, earlier when I was reading the scripture, I wanted to know what did that mean, and then I came to understand what that truly meant. To do the Lord 
homage is to proclaim verbally in public that the Lord is your king. He is he is who you will serve. You are all in. You are his servant. And so for me to do homage to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, first and foremost, I've got to get off the throne of my heart. I've got to invite the Lord Jesus into my heart to sit on the throne of my heart and then publicly, most importantly, through my actions, I need to proclaim this truth to the world, in the workplace, in the community, in the home, in the church. He is my Lord. He is my King. He sits on the throne of my heart. It is His will that I choose to do every day. So that word homage, to do homage, is to proclaim the truth that Christ is your King, the only one who you serve. You are a servant of the Lord's, and you proclaim it in words, in deeds, and in your life's example. I think that just really powerfully hit me so that I want to make sure every day I ask the Holy Spirit to show me, did I truly pay homage to the Lord today? Is he still on the throne of my heart? Or if I nudged him off a little bit and taken back a little bit of that control, a little bit of that authority, because I don't want it. Because our freedom comes in the letting go. Our freedom comes in the surrender and trust, trust that God, our Lord Jesus Christ, has our best in mind and will never lead us astray. And so you know what? I want to pay homage to him every day of my life through my words, most importantly, through my actions and my life's example, so that others, too, may come to believe and to follow. And the, the words that I wrote down, I, I circled homage as well, and, and I wrote down all in. So you, know, you and I didn't see what, what each other wrote, but you know, they're the two words that I wrote as well, all in. And does God know? You know he knows my heart, right? So he, but he wants me to, to express my all in, right? Uh, I think you and I, Dave, earlier this week read a, a gathering where someone read, you know, where the homage came from, and it just in, in serving an earthly king, you know, where you kneel down, you fold, you know, place your hands within their hands, and you're just totally, totally surrendering everything, everything, right? So every day, that's you know, we, we may have had our first all in, we may have had our first all in moment, but each day we have to to re up and and speak with you know from our hearts to our Lord and and tell Him that we want him to be our king, that, that we invite him into the throne of our hearts as, as king and then take that into, into the streets and, and live it, live it each day. And I think, Rob, that's why that it caused so much angst for King Herod because they start out and they say, when King Herod, because he knew the prophecy, he knew the Christ was coming, and that Christ, from what he understood from Scripture, was going to be the king of the kingdom of David for all eternity, he was going to dethrone him. So he went and sent the Magi to look, you know, diligently for the child, not to let him sit on the throne of his heart and the throne of the kingdom of David, but to get rid of him because he was comfortable in his world. He was comfortable being in control. He didn't want his life to change because, you see, when we step off the throne of our hearts and we invite Jesus Christ to sit on those thrones— we have to change. It says here in the end, you know, and that they departed for their country by another way. We need to change. There's lots of things we need to give up 
And, you know, I think part of the fruit of our yes is that we do open up the gifts that God has given us from the, our monetary gifts to our, our worldly gifts of, of, of homes and things. We open them up to give them back to the Lord by allowing them to be used as blessings to others. I really believe that's the fruit of the conversion. That's the fruit of the heart because that's what you see the Magi do here. They came, they opened up, and they gave precious gifts, coal, gold, frankincense, and myrrh to Mary and Joseph and to the Lord Jesus Christ. They gave them to him in addition to doing him homage. The line that sort of jumped out at me was um, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. <clears throat> and I see how God like entrusts himself as a helpless little baby to Mary. And so it really gives me confidence that I could go to her, you know, and she will always point to her son, Jesus, and, um, you know, to take everything, you know, to her because I could see very clearly, you know, that God did that. So for me, um, it's something that gives me great joy and hope that I don't have to go with fear to God. I could go to Mary first, and then she'll take whatever um, problem I have or whatever to her son. And going even a little bit deeper than that is this, that what Mary shows us in her example of, of you know, taking the baby Jesus, you know, conceiving him and, and giving birth to him, what she did is also what we're called to do. God chooses to include us in his plan of salvation, to entrust his son Jesus to you and I here and now. We're called to open up and invited to open up to receive Jesus into our hearts. And then as Mary did with haste, to take Jesus to others in need. So God's plan that he chose Mary for was an example that he chooses for each of us. He doesn't just fix it. He chooses to include us, to open up to receive Jesus, conceive Jesus, and then take Jesus into the world in our humanity. What a beautiful, beautiful symbolism and, and breaking open of the bread of life. To pick up on that, David, I think um, the great saints and scholars have always talked about the human soul as feminine. And it uh, occurred to me not too long ago, actually, that one of the reasons I think why the Catholic Church um, puts Mary forward as the mediatrix of all graces is because exactly what you said, we're called to be like Mary in that way, that way spiritually. And our souls are always described in the feminine. God is always the masculine. And so we're called to, to be that, that, that Virgin Mary and receive him into our heart and conceive him in our lives. So it kind of pulls the whole thing together. I mean, all grace comes through that attitude, that spiritual person, that spiritual personality um, orientation towards God as the Virgin Mary had, because that's how we open our hearts up to him and be receptive to those kinds of things, because God always initiates. God always goes first. We're always in in the position of the Virgin. We're always in the position of receiving you know, the, the great grace. The other thing, too, that jumped out at me about the story is that— um, I've often wondered this, even when I was a kid, what was it that made the wise men or the, the magi pick up and take off after this star? I mean, obviously, there's a, in their belief, there was a king at the other end. Um, so they had that. But they come, they prostrate themselves before him, they give him precious gifts, and then they leave. And I often wondered when they got home, other than the experience of having worshipped um, before the king— 
um, what they what they actually um, got out of it, so to speak. I mean, they didn't ask for a privileged position in this court. They didn't get anything back for it. They didn't. They went through all this trouble to show up to pay homage to a baby, leave precious gifts, prostrate themselves, and then and then they leave. And I think sometimes um, that challenges me to say. You know, what What am I doing? You know, what, do, do I go out of my way? Do I get excited? I mean, here they were overjoyed at seeing the star. They're almost at the end of their of their goal. And they, they just reach out to this. So what was the motivation behind it? And it kind of leaves a question mark in my own head about why I do what I do, you know, relative to approaching the Lord or searching for the Lord in my own life. And you used an interesting word, mediatrix of all graces, a title given to Mary, Um and we go, oh, no, wait a minute, that can't be. You know, it's, everything's through Jesus Christ. But you're right. But you see, God the Father is actually who gave her the title because he chose to flow the salvation of all humanity through her as a conduit to the world. She's called the the, the uh, hollow reed of God because she didn't hold on to Jesus. Jesus passed through. She was a virgin before and after his birth. He came and passed through her to the world. So, too, God didn't create another way. He continues to flow that grace through her to the world. So it adds up. It's scriptural. And I love it. She's that conduit that God chose from the beginning, prophesied in Genesis 3.15, that a woman, her seed, will crush the head of Satan. And he fulfilled that in Jesus Christ and in Mary. They're together. as Just as you and I are on a co-mission, we're joined together when Christ's one mission, so too she is on a co-mission with Christ. She's the mediatrix of all graces. God chose her. A couple of things that really jumped at, at me, David. One, when King Herod heard this, he was greatly troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. First of all, I was wondering about why he was anxious. And then I read that in Numbers chapter 24, verses 14 through 19, there is a, a prophecy that says that once there is a king in, in uh, Israel who's going to pretend to be a Jew. In actuality, Herod was a descended from Ishmael. He was a, an Edomite. And in Numbers, it says the Edomite will be displaced by the king of the Jews who is to come. And he knew that someone was going to come to replace him, and that was why this worried him so much. The second thing that jumped out at me was, why was everybody else concerned? Well, if actually the king was going to be overthrown, I can't think of too many places except the United States, and that, that's jumping forward a couple of thousand years, where there's never been a transfer of government that has been peaceful. Most places it's not peaceful, so if there's a change of government, that means a war is coming, and the people would have been awfully upset about that because... The Jews had studied their scriptures, and they knew back in Numbers that it had said that there was going to be an Edomite king who was going to be replaced. A third thing that sort of interested me was you mentioned some things about the Mary being the hollow reed and pa things passing through her. And I was just remembering our discussion of this in one other group this morning. There was a man whose son, his first son, had been born uh, dead for four minutes because his umbilical cord had been pinched at birth. And therefore, he could not receive any blood, and he was born dead. Well, they revived him, and they brought him back to life, and he's a strapping six-foot-four guy right now, and he's in college. He's doing well. But it reminded me that sometimes we let our umbilical cord, so to speak, with the Holy Spirit 
get cut off. We let it get pinched. Instead of focusing on Jesus, we focus on those things around us that we can see. We get worried about the world. Will there be a war? Will there be problems coming up in the future? We get concerned about these things instead of always just turning to the Lord first and letting him give us the calm and the peace we need. Taking the kink out of the cord, the umbilical cord. That's right. Take the kink out. If you see it, take it out. You know, I love the little line here that says, they were overjoyed at seeing the star. And for me, I believe these men, these magi that came from a long distance, some people believe he traveled almost two years to get there, you know, and also brought gifts for this new king of the Israel that they knew was going to be born. They looked at worldly signs that pointed to a heavenly reality. I believe that we are given those opportunities, those worldly signs every day. I call them living parables, that God allows us to go through things. And if we ask God for the gift of the eyes to see and the gift of the ears to hear spiritually, it's amazing how we will get to see the signs, see as they saw the star, an earthly sign, which led them to Christ. So for me, I want to have the eyes to see so that when something does occur, oh my goodness, I can be grateful to God and I can grow and I can learn and I can share that story with others. I was thinking of an event that happened with our children and I went to a steakhouse out in Ohio and we just, you know, there was five children and my wife and I and in this fancy steakhouse, we didn't know it was fancy when we got there, but when we got there, there were no other children, everybody's in suits and ties and we weren't. But anyhow, so we thought, well, we're the odd folks out and we sat down at our table finally and when we sat there, next thing you know, a waiter comes up and lays an envelope on my in front of me and says, uh, somebody was touched by your family and they want to pay for your meal. I felt the envelope and it was pretty thick with cash, I, I assumed, but I didn't open it yet. Instead, what I did in front of in this restaurant with all these people, it was like all eyes were on us. We held hands and we said a prayer out loud and we thanked God for the, for the gift of the meal and everything. And then we prayed for the person who blessed us with this gift. <laughs> And it was so powerful. Then we opened it up and I showed all the children the money that was given. It was $200 and almost $40 of cash. And I said, we're going to take this gift and accept it and receive it, but then we're going to use this gift to bless somebody else. So I asked the children and invited them to look around as they walk through in their journey each day. And when they find that family, let us know. And we're going to bless that family and pass this gift on. But you see, all eyes are on us, and we are called to do homage to the Lord in all things. People were touched at that meal. They saw something special in our family. In fact, at the end of our meal, when the check came, the waitress said, oh, and by the way, somebody paid for half your meal. And so I told the children that, and I said, look, now we have $350 <laughs> to give away to a needy family. It's beautiful, but I think God gives us these life lessons, these stories, these living parables every day. One of the most important things to do when you pray every day and you ask for the gift of the spiritual eyes to see, the spiritual ears to hear, is to this, is to share your stories, especially with your children. I'm telling you, our children love God stories. They love when dad and mom share God stories of, of different things that happen and events that happen, how God used us, how God used others. They love it. It causes them to come to believe. So my encouragement would be, write them down, journal them, share them at the dinner table with your children, and you'll be amazed. And then ask them if they've had any, and you'll be amazed at what you hear. Awesome learning lesson. Last year, about this time, in our church, there was offered uh, a lot of numerous things that had come from a Catholic bookstore that had closed down in Maryland. 
and they'd given all the things they had to our parish. I don't know how all that happened, so I won't get into the story. But our, our pastor just said all these things are on display, and if you want to buy anything at all, you can at whatever whatever price is agreeable. And that was it was very inexpensive materials. I walked around, and there was one thing I really wanted, and that was a a, a container that contained three small three small boxes containing gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And a little story about the background of how the gold, frankincense, and myrrh were the gifts of the three magi. So we put them out each year underneath our tree. Don't anybody have to come over to our house. It's not worth robbing us. It wasn't that expensive. But it's interesting that these magi had come and given these three gifts to Jesus, Joseph, and Mary— and when you think about it, the thing that follows in Scripture immediately after this reading here is when the angel came and said to Joseph, get off to Egypt, Herod's going to be after you. Well, how do you think a guy who had left his business and left all his tools at home just to go to Jerusalem and register, how do you think they managed to pay for that time? They had the gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh that just happened to last enough time so they could wait until Herod died. Wasn't that interesting that God sort of provided and saw it ahead of time? Yeah. We don't have to ask for this answer or that answer. We just have to say, I trust in you, Jesus. Amen. Yeah, and always, Don, like those when those moments happen, ask God, what do you want to teach me? What do you want to show me? Because we also know that gold, frankincense, and myrrh also reveals who Jesus is. Gold offered to the king. Frankincense offered to, you know, to a deity, to God. And then myrrh for the burial, meaning he's going to die. He's going to be buried. And so for me... We got to look for the symbolism. God gives it to us all the time. Every time I look in the sky, we don't look directly at the sun. We would be blinded. But yet we can see its beauty through the reflection of the moon that has no life on it and no light of its own. Well, that represents you and I. We have nothing without God. We are devoid of life. We are devoid of light. But if we truly, truly say our yes and we're all in, we become these beautiful reflections through which people can en encounter Jesus Christ in us. As St. Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. Don't underestimate who you're called to be in the world. God created you for a purpose, to be a world changer, the world around you. It is changed every day for the positive if you truly reflect Christ throughout your day, in all situations, in all circumstances. And it's impossible to do that if you don't stay connected. Mm. Stay connected and stay grafted in to that vine, the vine that gives us the life, the vine that produces the fruit, Jesus Christ. Amen. And I'm thinking of these guys, the, the Magi, <clears throat> they didn't just wake up one morning call a couple of buddies, oh, let's go take a road trip. You know, they, they they had to plan this thing, right? I mean, extensively plan it. And, and it made me think about, about my faith, my journey to Jesus. Is it a spur of the moment faith or is, an, is it an intentional faith? Like these guys intentionally planned to do what they did, right? And sometimes in my life, my, my faith is like more of the spur, spur of the moment faith. You know, I'll stop in a chapel here, a chapel there. I'll do this good deed here, this good deed there. But I need to ask God in this, in this upcoming year to really direct me. And, and I think we spoke about this uh, a while back, but just really take me through. I'm going to ask God to take me through um, my faith life, my intentionality versus spur of the moment. What do I need to start doing? 
What do I need to stop doing? And what do I need to continue doing? So what are the things in my life that all right, I need to I need to get her done, right? Start start them up. What do I need to stop? Just Lord, please help me eliminate those. And then enjoy, you know, the the the, the things that God has led me to do that He wants me to continue doing. But then that becomes more intentional, right? Like, then every day we're we're living with this zeal, like that, you know, David, I know you shared um Rick Warren's story about his dad on, on his deathbed and yeah. what he said to his son, you know, one more soul for Jesus, one more like every day. If we have that, there's billions of people in the world, man, we should never get bored with our faith because our faith, we're going to encounter Christ with every person that we meet. So if we're intentionally going out to share the love of Jesus, to be fueled intentionally through mass and adoration and prayer, right? Then, then it becomes a faith that's alive. That's not just kind of ho-hum and hit and miss. That's so important, Robin. And and just as Mary did when the when the servants of the wedding told her they were running out of wine, she didn't fix it. She wasn't the answer. She let them know, do whatever he tells you. She pointed them to Christ. She pointed them to his word. It's so important to know the word of God, to consume the word of God every day so that that word is kept in our hearts so that when the opportunity time comes, the Lord can pull it forth and we can share his word, that living word that pierces bone and marrow so it can pierce the heart of the hearer and make true change and cause true repentance, cause true conversion, and bring people into that salvation knowledge of Jesus Christ. And Dave, I just want to confirm you and and what you do with your kids and what you encourage all of us to do and and our listeners to do and that share God stories. Just this past week, I met with a guy who is involved in a ministry where they actually take kids from public school to, to catechize them. And he said that, you know, you can do that. You know, as long as it's not on the school property, you have parental consent and there's no tax dollars, you can do that. So they have all these school districts that, you know, they have 30 different classes that they, parents say yes, they take them out during school hours and they catechize them. They have the whole curriculum and everything. And they say it's a lot of it's centered on God stories because most of the kids are unchurched. Even though the parents don't go, they know that the kids should be involved in something. And then when they see this opportunity, they get their kids plugged in. But these kids need to hear God's stories, and it shows them that God is real. He's active. He's involved. He's alive. He's in your life. God's story. So, Lord, please help us to have the courage to share our God stories with holy boldness. Rob, I really, really appreciate that. That holy boldness, you know what? This world is sick right now, and it needs the true medicine of the Lord. And you know what the Lord wants? Our yes, so that we can become those triage surgeons to this world, delivering messages of hope, mercy, compassion, and most importantly, unconditional love. Don't underestimate your call. Moses was 80. It's never too late. Let's say our all in. Let's be the world changers God created us to be. God bless each and every one of you. Have a great day. Reflections from the Heart has been presented by Stewardship, a Mission of Faith. We hope that you've been blessed and encouraged as you listen to Reflections from the Heart. If so, you might consider participating in a Gospel Reflection Group. For information on locations and times of Gospel Reflection Groups, or how to start a Gospel Reflection Group in your area, please visit our website at stewardshipmission.org and click on Gospel Reflection Groups, or call us at 
Stewardship, a mission of faith, is a 501c3 nonprofit organization and depends on donations from people like you to make Reflections from the Heart possible. If you enjoyed this broadcast, please prayerfully consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting our website or calling us at 717-367-0100. On behalf of David and the staff here at Stewardship, a Mission of Faith, thank you for listening. And until next time, may God bless, protect, and guide you on your journey home to Him.